Right. Welcome. This is the Future of Cooling podcast. In this session, we will discuss about the global cooling price with our guest, Ian Campbell. Ian is a senior fellow at the Rocky Mountain Institute and has decades of experience in the cooling sector. Previously, he held various leadership positions with Johnson Controls and York International. So welcome, Ian, and thank you for uh, being here today. Yeah, thank you. Look forward to the discussion and uh, the opportunity here. Okay, um, for a start, could you please tell us just a bit more about the, the global cooling price, the history behind it, and what's the role of uh, Rocky Mountain Institute? Yeah, um, so global cooling prize uh, is an innovation challenge, and it's a, a challenge that we launched in November 2018 to find a residential cooling solution or technology um, that could deliver comparable comfort to the products we use today, but with five times lower climate impact through its, uh, through its life cycle. Um, why did we launch the prize? I think that there's, um, you know, probably in 2017, there was a number of things going on that came together that kind of shone a spotlight on the cooling space. Um, I think first we had the Kigali Amendment to the Montreal Protocol for the phase down of HFCs um, that happened at the end of 2016. And then I think there's a lot of analysis done as part of getting the 197 countries to sign up uh, to the amendment um, that spoke about what the growth in cooling was likely to be um, and uh, the environmental impact associated with that growth. And it was really um, from there that we kind of got to what we've termed the cooling dilemma which is um, the importance of access to cooling, which in many parts of the world is important to actually health, human well-being, and productivity, and they're all foundational to economic development. Um, and the growth that can be expected as those needs are met, but it coming at an environmental cost that we can't afford. And so how do you solve that dilemma and that's what took us to the fact of, you know, setting an innovation challenge of finding approaches to cooling that are five times less impactful to the climate, um, because that would actually solve the cooling dilemma of how can you ensure access to cooling for those that need it, but at an environmental cost uh, that we can afford. And you do that by neutralizing the impact of the growth. And we assessed that five times would, would do that. Um, and so RMI kind of started work in 2017. And we spent most of that year um, kind of rooting out collaborators and funders for the, for the work. And when we launched it, we launched it alongside um, Department of Science and Technology from the government of India and uh, mission innovation and initiative of the clean energy ministerial. And if, if, if I may know, what's the, the, your, your role in the, in the competition as an organizer or as, a, as a, one of the judges, I suppose, as well, right? Okay, yeah, a little bit of everything. Um, 
so RMI and I guess myself representing RMI uh, were the initiators, the organize, the lead initiator, the lead organizer, the lead administrator, and I was uh, also chair of the technical review committee, uh, doing all of the evaluations of the uh, submissions to the prize and the, ultimately the selection of the winners of the prize. About the competition itself, from the technology point of view, is there any specific technology or is it technology agnostic? Uh, what are the parameters that are being set up in this competition? Yeah, so great question. Um, we tried to set up the, um, the criteria for the prize in a technology agnostic way so that we didn't embed technology bias because that's one of the issues with the testing standards in this space. There is a technology bias to the testing standards because they're designed to test vapor compression, which is why we actually had a testing approach that was real world uh, simulation of uh, testing, including field testing as well as lab testing uh, to ensure that we didn't embed that same technology bias within the prize. Um, that said, um, you know, one of the challenges with the prize is how long do you give um, innovators to develop their technologies? And on the one side, you want to give them as long as you can because, um, you know, especially with some of the early stage technologies, they need time to uh, be developed. And, then, and they're not in kind technologies to be developed to, uh, to prototypes. On the other side, there is such a thing as prize fatigue. Uh, you lose momentum and you lose interest if you go for too long. And, um, you know, as I kind of reflect back on the prize, uh, the only technology bias that I would say that we perhaps ended up with um, to a small extent was the fact that our timeline was effectively a two, um, a two and a half year timeline and that may not have been enough for early stage, not in kind technologies uh, to be able to, uh, to get to prototype. And, you know, of the eight finalists we selected, there were three that weren't vapor compression. Um, five of the finalists were vapor compression. None of the three finalists that were non-vapor compression were able to deliver working prototypes for testing. Um, those are those companies, and uh, two of them were new startups. Um, have now subsequently developed prototypes that are um, that they're going to be uh, are going to be tested at other venues in the future. I guess that that uh, lesson learned from the competition that the not in kind has uh, some limitation in terms of the. Uh, developing time. Do you think it's a it's a reflection to the fact that the in the cooling space it seems that globally we have a technological lock in in the vapor compression technology? Yeah, um, and I think the 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 lock in, if you think about it, you know the the first um, residential air conditioner was brought to market in 1926. Um, vapor compression technology. And obviously there's been some, uh, you know, te technological advances 
uh, that have occurred since, but it's fundamentally still the same technology and concept. And the way that the market has driven the industry is looking for more affordable, I'm going to say affordable from a first cost basis, more affordable solutions. So the, the technology has been cost optimized now for nearly 100 years. And it makes it extremely hard for new technologies to come in and challenge that incumbent technology that has been cost optimized for over 100 years. And unless new technology brings new benefits, it's going to really struggle with the cost level that you look for these products when they're now when they're when they're brought to market. They're a fraction. Uh, the, the first cost in real terms for one of these units today is a fraction of what it was for the first unit that was brought to market in 1926. Yes, it's 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 very uh, interesting you mentioned about the cost here because uh, one of the criteria in the in the price is uh, cost. Right? Could you uh, comment a bit about how how the competition to reduce costs how how did it materialize in the competition? Yeah, so we set up um, the affordable. So there's two primary criteria. One was we wanted to see five times lower climate impact, which comes through combination of low GWP refrigerants or no refrigerants at all. And the other was um, significantly reduced energy for equivalent cooling output. Um, the second uh, key criteria was affordability. And we said at an assessed industrial scale um, that the product should not cost more than two times the baseline unit and the baseline unit we picked was the highest selling unit in India in the year of 2017. And so that was the, uh, the benchmark, which was, uh, by the way, it was about $530 installed cost us dollars. Um, the finalist units we assessed are being in the range of two to three times, sorry, the winning units, we assessed at being in the range of two to three times the first cost. They actually, we assessed them at being outside of our affordability uh, criteria, but they were both uh, exceeded on the climate impact. Um, closer to the two, they were close to two times, but they were above it. And I think part of that was, you know, their hybrid systems, and although on the one side, they're leveraging, leveraging materials and componentry from the vapor compression industry, uh, which is cost optimized, on the other side, they've got new materials and componentry that isn't cost optimized. And it's very difficult for us to assess as to what the cost would be at, at scale. Um, and so they came out, um, as I say, in that two to three times range, but closer to the two times, but it was above it. So in terms of cost, it's related to the, to the scaling up uh, prospect of these technologies. Do you think the, the winning uh, technologies or even the, the finalists, are they having um, similar scaling up? Or of course, the, the winners, uh, I, I suppose, have more prospect of, of scaling up the technologies. Yeah, so 
it's it kind of starts when you look at the winning technologies. Um, you know, as I say, their first cost was recesses two to three times. We then looked at what's their life cycle cost, assuming a 10 year life of the air conditioner. It was less than half of the baseline unit because whereas the baseline unit is maybe costing around 300 US dollars a year to operate, uh, if it's operated according to conditions as opposed to occupancy, um, the uh, winning technologies were less than $100 a year. They were closer to like $70 a year to operate. So um, so there's the, the, the higher first cost, but there's a simple payback of about three years, and then the life cycle cost is about half. And so the question is, how do you make that visible to people that are making their buying decisions so that they can be informed and make those decisions? And um, the, the things that you have to do is the testing standards have to be able to measure the attributes of these products and how they performed in real world operation, which today they don't. They don't measure humidity well and units tend to operate in the real world at much lower levels of aggregate capacity than, um, than what the testing standards measure. And then we need to have rating systems for the, the products that put these high performance products in a high tier so that consumers and buyers can understand what it is they're getting for the extra money uh, that, they're, uh, that they're paying. But ultimately, you know, like most new disruptive uh, technologies or products, um, they will scale, start scaling in niche sectors and they'll scale in the sectors first where they're going to have long operating hours. And so if you think of places that have long operating hours or high level of operating hours for their, um, their cooling devices or air conditioners, you're thinking of perhaps commercial facilities, of, um, of restaurants, um, you know, places that basically are open all day and needing to keep the indoor environment comfortable. And then that becomes a step on for scaling and opportunity to access the, the broader mass market. In terms of uh, bringing this to the mass market, as you say, it starts with a niche application. Um, what's, what's the timeline, do you think, for the winning technologies to achieve that yeah, realistically? Yeah great, yeah, great question. So. Um, one of our finalists, uh, sorry, one of our winners, I should say, um, which also is the, um, the market share leader in this sector, has committed to bring their technology to market by 2025. And they've committed to bring it to market and to make it affordable for, uh, for the buyers. So, um, and we also had a finalist who made that same commitment that they would bring a five times lower climate impact um, unit to market by 2025. Uh, and so we've got two major corporations that are, have, have made that commitment. So the work that we need to do now is to ensure that the market is primed to be able to recognize the performance attributes of these units and um, to have performance ladders where they're not sitting 
in the same category as a unit that uses twice as much energy for the cooling output because that's the top category today. They're sitting at a level, um, you know, that's maybe three or four levels up in the performance ladder so that they can be recognized and that will help uh, stimulate demand. Um, but the commitment to supply from industry is already there. Okay, I, I guess it's similar with the uh, A plus plus issue in, in other white goods that uh, yes, once it is. they increase the plus, how, how how far will you go with the plus before you creating a new a new set of uh, categories? Yeah, yeah, and the plus doesn't work because people think, well, an A is really good. Why would I want to pay more for an A plus? Um, it's got a you've got to redo the performance ladder and the scale so that people can make can make the right decisions. In terms of the users, the end users um, of this uh, future technologies, uh, how do you think the, the results of this um, competition should be communicated uh, in order to um, avoid the potential of rebound effect in the future? The fact that, okay, it has lower climate impact, uh, more efficient, let's use more of it. Yeah, so I, 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 you know, well, it's, it's kind of in a way for RMI to do a technology prize was kind of interesting because RMI is known as being uh, an organization that thinks about whole systems and how do you optimize. And I think the three pillars that exist today um, have to continually be reinforced. And that is how through urban planning and building design, do we reduce cooling loads within the urban environment? Um, and then through, um, uh, through kind of behavior influence and modification and controls, uh, how do we reduce demand for cooling? And then finding the most efficient technologies to have the least climate impact to actually meet that demand. Um, and it's, it, it's not enough to build thermally inefficient buildings and put a very efficient cooling device within there. We still have to do all of those things um, to be able to mitigate the climate impact associated with uh, cooling and ensure a more comfortable uh, urban environment and a more comfortable world for uh, those of us that habitat, habitat it. In terms of the other stakeholders, you mentioned about about standard bodies needs to reevaluate their um, the way of um, standardize or of the standards to to test the uh, cooling equipment. Um, what's the what's the next step from what what can they learn from this uh, cooling global cooling prize results? Yeah, so we did. Real-world testing in a whole apartment building concurrent. We ran all the units and the baseline units, as well as we bought the best available technology that we could find in India. And we tested that too. Uh, installed in a real-world apartment, ran it for a whole month. Uh, we put them in a lab that simulated a four years climatic conditions of temperature and humidity. And we then measure, uh, uh, did testing in accordance with the Indian test standards, which were based on ISO. 
And um, the real world performance, the differences that we saw between the baseline and the winning technologies, the winning technologies um, used over 75% less electricity to maintain the same indoor conditions as the baseline unit. But when we did the ICER test, uh, which as I say, was based upon the ISO standards, only around 70% of that benefit showed up. So we had 30% of benefit that didn't show up and that was related to how the units of the winning technologies performed much more efficiently in dealing with the latent loads or the moisture in the air. And um, that they were able to operate more efficiently at lower percentage levels of capacity. Um, and so there's things that we need to do to inform next generation test standards. Oh, and there's also the fact that um, the, the testing today is not load based. Um, the manufacturers fix the, um, the drives for their technologies at hundred percent capacity and 50% capacity. And it's basically a capacity based test as opposed to a load based test where it runs freely. Um, and so we're working, uh, we will be working over the next year with uh, Lawrence Berkeley Laboratories here in the US and SEPT University in India that undertook the testing um, to identify modifications, suggested modifications to current test standards that would enable the benefits of real world operational performance to actually be measured. Um, because if we're, you know, this is the target, the standards are the target that the manufacturers aim for, and we're causing them to aim at something that isn't replicating what happens in the real world. So we need to move those standards so they start to align with real world uh, operation. And so we give manufacturers the right target to aim for, and that's then going to ensure that there's demand for these products in the market in the future. We've been discussing about the increasing in the efficiency, um, which related to the indirect impact of air conditioner in, in terms of global warming potential. If I may, I would like to go back into the, the direct emission, in this case from the refrigerants. How does the, the winning uh, the winning teams address this uh, problem with the high GWP refrigerant. So they basically use low pressure, low GWP refrigerants. Low pressure refrigerants helps with the efficiency, and uh, obviously low GWP helps with the direct emissions and also pulls down the climate impact. To give you the relative numbers, I think our baseline unit, which was an R22 unit, had a GWP of 1,760. Um, our two finalists, one was using refrigerant with a GWP of less than one, uh, which was an HFO blend. And the other was using a low GWP HFC, which has a GWP of 138. So 
they were using G GWP of their refrigerants were uh, less than, well less than 10% of that of um, what's in typical units today. And so it was an important part of the test to be able to test how these refrigerants would work in very high ambient conditions um, and if there would be performance degradation because uh, we were testing them up to 45 degrees centigrade ambient conditions and they their performance did not degrade using these um, these newer refrigerants for this application so i, I suppose the the new refrigerants of course also needs to uh, comply with um, other aspects like safety and flammability and toxicity yeah they, these, these are both low toxicity medium i think it was a2l for flammability uh for both uh so they're not highly flammable not uh not highly toxic as i say they're low pressure which helps with efficiency um and um and low gwp and no ozone depletion potential Okay, I think uh, we arrive into the end of the of the interview here. Perhaps one one last question for me. Um, what's the next steps for RMI after after this global cooling prize? What's the next step in the field of cooling for for RMI? Yeah, so um, you know we're we're basically. Um, got about another year's work to do in relation to informing test standards. Um, other things that we're doing in this space, we're currently developing a sustainable urban cooling uh, handbook on behalf of uh, UNEP, um, Global Covenant of Mayors and the uh, Kigali Cooling uh, Efficiency Program. Um, to really help um, with the uh, inform the decisions of the right steps in the right order um, for uh, cooling down uh, our urban environment. So kind of stepping back out to a whole systems approach, um, which you know needs to be where we start, even though we need to solve at each level as we have hopefully with the global cooling prize, um, we still need to look at this from a whole systems approach first, because that's where we find um, the, the, the better and the more economical answers to addressing these challenges. Great. Um, yeah, that, that concludes our, our sessions for okay. our discussion. All right. so Terrific, thank you. Thank you very much, Ian, for your time and the insightful discussion on the Global Cooling Prize. Yeah, no, it was uh, a pleasure to join you today, Renaldi. Yeah, and hope to discuss about other cooling issues in the next iteration of the podcast with the Future of Cooling program. Thank you. Sure. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks so Ian. much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.